The state of Grain Belt. What is it and how's it doing with the PSC and the legislature? That's what we'll be talking about today. Hello out there in podcast world. This is Renew Gurus, your look at all things energy policy and politics in Missouri and beyond. I'm James Owen, your executive director of Renew Missouri. Uh, joining here with us today on Renew Gurus is General Counsel for Renew Missouri, Tim Opitz. Hi, Tim. Good morning. If you are listening to this in the morning, it will be a good morning or a good afternoon, good evening or good night. <laughs> also running the boards, Matt Patterson. Hello. Hi. Hi. Thanks. How are you? Thanks yeah. for joining us. Um, be careful. We have an attorney. Another attorney. Oh, I know. You have a real attorney talking uh, today, <laughs> so you got to be careful with what you say on this broadcast. Um, we are here because there's been a lot going on uh, with the Grain Belt Express. And if you've been thinking to yourself, haven't we been hearing about this for years now? The answer is yes, you have. Right, Tim? <laughs> That's right. The, the first time that they applied for a case before the commission was in March of 2014. Oh my gosh. That's old enough to go to kindergarten at this point, this case could go. I mean, now granted- I get the vaccination, please. As long as, long as you're getting vaccinated, that's right. Um, okay, so let's get a little bit into what this is. I mean, Grain Belt Express, for all of you who don't know about this or read our e-newsletter, uh, Renews, it is a multi-state uh, transmission line one of those states is Missouri, and this the idea is this will be carrying wind power uh, from some of our western states where we have lots of wind to our eastern states, which don't have as much wind, but have more people. And in order for this to be classified as a utility, they have to get permission from the Public Service Commission to build it, right? Yes, and they are a utility. Oh, Granted you, that certificate you spoiled the twist. <laughs> That's okay. We are getting to that, yes, because... Uh, there is, kind of, there is kind of an end to this saga. Um, one of the problems was, and I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong about this, Tim, because you've been doing this work a little longer than me. Uh, one of the concerns we had, or, or some parties had with this, was originally Grain Belt, which um, uh, started out being Clean Line, was the company that had applied for this. They weren't actually delivering any electricity in the state of Missouri initially, right? I believe that was the case, yeah. Right. Now, there was an argument that some people were making that this would be going into other parts of the country. And since Missouri is a member of some of these regional marketplaces, that somehow we might get some of it. But that was pretty indirect. Uh-oh. You dropped your notes. <laughs> now yeah, we are in well, trouble. Yeah, it would be indirect. Um, but in these subsequent <laughs> cases, Grain Belt demonstrated that there are direct benefits to people in Missouri, right? Whether they be uh, members of Mudgebuck or municipalities, Mudgebuck, um, or just benefiting from the general depressed prices of delivering this wind energy to an RTO, right? Now, because I mean, when we're talking about Mudgebuck, we're talking about kind of a consortium of municipal governments, or they kind of negotiate on behalf of municipal governments, correct? That's correct. Okay, so I don't know what that stands for. I don't know either. Mudgebuck <laughs> is what we call it. it. I would say it's an acronym, but it kind of sounds more like I've got peanut butter in my mouth when I say it. <laughs> All due respect to the Mudgebuck people listening. Uh, it's memorable because we can still say it. We just don't know what it means. So, yeah, so there's a deal now where this uh, wind, some of this wind power is going to go to the city of Columbia, city of Hannibal, and city of Kirkwood, among some other municipalities in northern 
Missouri, right? Right. And okay. There, and there's an option for others to get in on that too. Yeah. Okay. And so what? So in kind of going back a little bit, like I said, it does require the Public Service Commission. They want to be declared a utility. Uh, for them to build this, they need that. Uh, cons- they need a, a certificate of convenience and necessity. But they're also wanting to to uh, exercise eminent domain, which utilities can do. Well, I don't think that they want to. I think that they realize oh. that it's going to be something that's likely to be needed. They'll need to do it. Right. Because, I mean, ultimately the reason is there's a lot of landowners who, for various reasons, don't want this project going through their property or across their backyard. And But the problem with the transmission line is you can't just have it zigzag uh, around, you know, with property owners who actually would want this. Uh, so they've got to be able to do that. Maybe want is the wrong word. Right. Need. Need. They need. Need. That. They need. Which is like the necessity part of the of the of the certificate of convenient necessity. Well, no, that's wrong. That's I got wrong. That you, I mean, <laughs> however you want to think about it. Okay. No. Thanks, Tim. <laughs> the necessity is related to the public interest. Yeah, that's right. Because that's what a CCN. They have to prove that in order to get this, they have to show that this is something that's going to be for the benefit of the public. Right. And so we've been going back and forth on this for a while. Uh, the last time there was a hearing. Uh, prior to December of last year, the Public Service Commission said that they did not believe that this met the standards required of obtaining a CCN. No, that's wrong. Oh, it is? Uh, so Edit they... that out. I don't like to be wrong. <laughs> All right. So the first time <laughs> yes. the Public Service Commission said it did not meet the standards for a CCN. That was but back, that was in, back 2015. in 2015. But I was talking right. about 2017. So in 2017, oh. they denied the CCN because... The, there was a recent court case, uh, ATXI, it's right. referred to, that said uh, they needed um, franchises from the local counties. Okay. And so, but notably in that case, four members of the commission had a concurring opinion that said, if we didn't believe the law was this way, we would find this is in the public interest. And, and we'll dig into that in a second. So, okay, so the Public Service Commission denied it, even though there was these four commissioners who said, well, we still think this would be good, but we just don't think the law will let us do it. And based on this court case, which I believe it was the ATXI, it was an Ameren transmission line case that was a, that they were kind of basing this off of. Yeah, that, that was appealed by a different landowner group. Yeah, and is that the Mark Twain Express... Or is that something else? I think it, it's the Mark Twain transmission line. Okay. And then there's an Illinois Rivers transmission line. Uh, okay. So Mark Twain, um, they changed the route a little bit, but they were able to um, resolve that. Yeah, issue. okay. Okay. So then this gets appealed. Uh, it goes to the Eastern District Court of Appeals, which is uncommon to most PSC decisions because they usually go to the Western District in Kansas City. But this went to St. Louis because there had been public hearings on the... Uh, eastern side of the state, and so therefore fell into the Eastern District. And the Eastern District, um, I believe, sided uh, with the people who were appealing this. They sided with the company, and they sided with Renew Missouri, and they sided with, uh, was it the Sierra Club or the NRDC? I can't remember who Great Rivers was representing on that. I don't recall. But they were the representing, Club. They were representing one of the environmental groups, Great Rivers, um, Environmental Law Firm or Law Center out of St. Louis, our friends and allies, they had representation there. Eastern District agreed. It went to the Missouri Supreme Court. Um, so let's talk about this issue about the, the issue with the counties. Okay, so this, there's a statute out there 
Oh, and this is going to be super complicated. So forgive us for 393 170. Oh, check out the brain on Brad. All right. Um, Pulp Fiction reference for you folks out there. Um, okay, so there's a, there's a statute out there that says that even with the PSC being involved with this, there still has to be some sort of county assent for this. Right? That's within a part of that statute. Within a part of it. Yeah. Okay, because there's also some issue about what the kind of certificate of convenience and necessity was being asked for here, and that depended on what was required from the counties. Yes. Right? Okay, so it's... So, <laughs> well, you're talking ancient history. That wasn't in the most recent. Election. That wasn't. I thought that was something we were talking about, like like Jay Nixon. Who, well, by yeah, the way, right, right, right. Yeah. So, so I would classify it this case in three stages. The first stage in 2014. Okay. The second stage that was appealed, and then the third stage, which was this December. I was talking about this most recent one. Okay. So, has this been in the Supreme Court before? Just when uh, got. Former Governor Nixon. In this third stage that you're referring to. In the second stage. Second stage. Oh, we're in the so third, the third stage, stage now. Right yeah. Now. Right. Oh, Tim, I get it. Okay. I kind of forgot because this is getting appealed again probably, right? I suspect so. Okay. I hope not, but. So the first stage. Okay. So let's make sure we have all this clear because we have multiple timelines going on here. First stage, 2015. Right? Right. Where the Public Service Commission denied this. Right. Then in 2017. They came back and they said, well, we don't want to deny it, but we think the law is making us deny it because of this previous decision. Right. Um, okay, so let's stop there. Okay. Let's stop there. We'll move on to the next one. I was going to get to that one. Okay. I have this method to my madness. I just want to make sure you're all fine out there in podcast world. Okay. So there was an issue before the Supreme Court about how the counties are involved with this, correct? Yes. Okay. And that question was... The county commissions had to have some sort of stamp of approval on this. But I think there was a question of whether or not they could unilaterally deny this, even though even if the Public Service Commission had. Right. But that's not right. That's not right. And even so even if the even if it had fallen the other way at the Missouri Supreme Court, yeah. I don't think that the county commissions I think there's a legal argument that would say they can't um, just deny transmission lines. They, because it, it, it came down to a another uh, part of the statute. I think it was 229. Uh, yeah. Basically said you need county permission to put transmission lines over county roads. Yeah. I mean, basically, they want to make sure that these transmission lines are not going to have some sort of negative impact on the infrastructure of a county, like county roads, you know, whatever they would be doing, whatever they have authority over. There has to be some approval of that. That's right. Right. Okay. So the Supreme Court says, okay, PSC, you got it wrong. You didn't have to rely on this other case. So then they send it back. We call that a remand. And then we get to Tim's stage three, uh, which is basically, so we have another hearing on uh, this Grain Belt Express that uh, basically is looking at anything that has changed as far as facts or evidence since the case that was ruled on in July of 2017. Stay phase two. Right. Okay. So we have that hearing. We have that hearing. Um, okay. So let's kind of, we can talk a little bit about the parties here. Okay. So obviously the company doing this, uh, which at the time, and I guess kind of still is clean line. They're out of Texas. I think, uh, I think they're out of Houston. 
they 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 were they were the ones that were trying to to apply for this. This was their project. They were obviously the driving factor in getting this approved. But there were other groups that were in favor of this, like our group, um, and some other environmental groups. And then there were the regulators. Uh, there was uh, the Public Service Commission staff. Uh, who had kind of varying thoughts on this. And there was the Office of Public Counsel, which kind of largely stayed out of this because I remember when I was public counsel and we both worked there, Tim, my feeling was if this is going to municipal um, customers, that wasn't under our jurisdiction. We were dealing with investor-owned utility rate payers. And so if this wasn't having a direct impact on and this is just, this was my, okay, I'm like going to like open up the curtain here and tell you what we were, what I was thinking when I was public counsel. That's why I didn't get involved with it. I, and I think they've been largely off, off, hands off with this even since then. Well, yeah. And I would say there are other public counsel is a party by right, but yes. they don't have to participate. They don't have to participate. So there are administrative you know time constraints with i mean there are yeah hundreds of cases going on that they have to be deeply involved and in. we had like a lot of big cases going on at the time and i think i just kind of said you know let's just let this one go That's you know and, and frankly with so many interveners in this case those interests of all of the parties were pretty well right. adequate adequately represented by, by because the, interveners. The, the parties who are not normally represented in psc cases that were involved here we have the Missouri Landowner Alliance, uh, which is a group of, um, well, landowners in this area, upset about this, don't want their property being taken by eminent domain, don't like the idea of these big transmission lines going across their property. Uh, but there's also, wasn't there also like the Missouri Eastern Landowners Association? That was a different group. That was a different group. I don't believe they exist anymore. I think They're they not around sort anymore. of. Right. fall onto the landowners. Right. Because I, I know I, I, you know, I used to, we used to work a lot with David Linton, who's a lawyer, used to work in Ameren. He had worked for a group, kind of a political group that was involved with PSC cases. They kind of stopped doing that because they didn't get funding. He's not really involved. Uh, the, the lawyer representing Missouri Landowners Alliance, I think it's Alliance, not Association. That's Paul Agathon. He's a lawyer from Washington, Missouri. Um, very zealous in his representation of the landowners. Um, so we have this hearing, uh, and really the, the main parties are the companies and the landowners, and you have these regulators kind of, you know, weighing in, and then you have environmental groups like us. I don't really consider us an environmental group. We're more of a energy policy group, but um, we were saying, hey, we like the fact that more renewable energy is coming into Missouri. That was That's kind of been our approach to this. Uh, it hasn't been much more detailed than that, but that's our position. Um, we had a hearing in December uh, about what has changed. And I think, you know, if I recall correctly, a lot of what uh, Mr. Agathon's argument was, was that Clean Line was kind of having a lot of turmoil. And there seemed to be a lot of weird things going on with them. Uh, but I mean, ultimately, his whole position was this is just bad. And I don't know. It was kind of a narrow, it's kind of a narrow position for him because we just had to like talk about what had been different since what we what Tim calls phase two right. of the clean of, of the grain belt ordeal. So I mean, what was his argument? What had changed according to him and according to his clients? So I think the big issue that they sort of I don't want to say invented, but uh, <laughs> I'll say it. They invented <laughs> okay. was to say that they are not a public utility. Okay, um, and so 
because they're not a public utility, the commission wouldn't have any authority well, well, to grant a CCI. But wait a minute, isn't a public utility what the Public Service Commission says it is? Within a, a range of yeah. things, right. Yeah, and so, I mean, basically, if you're transmitting power and you're delivering it, I mean, to some extent, to these kind of municipal entities, that it, seems like that fits under that definition. And, and you own utility property and, yeah. and, and easements and things to be able to transmit power. But that was their argument. That, that was, I would say, their largest argument. Their, and their most recent argument. Most recent argument. And then just a couple weeks ago, I believe that was uh, maybe the 23rd of March, um, the Public Service Commission ruled 5-0 to zero, uh, that the CCN should be granted. Now, there were conditions to that CCN uh, that were designed to protect landowners and make sure that um, they that the company was able to get a significant bond if anything happened with this or they were like going to be responsible for things if they abandoned the project. Etc. But that has not been that has not satiated the landowners either. Correct. That's correct. I you know I I think that it's fair to characterize the conditions as very robust. I think so. And yeah. I would say there are a, a lot of reasonable conditions, but I would say the commission went even further in requiring certain bonding requirements. Yeah. Um. That I would say are unnecessary and, and unusual. You know, kind of. Right. We believe the Public Service Commission went above and beyond to make sure that these landowners' interests are being protected. Yes. Fair enough? That's right. But they're still, like, taking steps to appeal this. Right. And are they appealing it because it is, is it still this issue about whether they're a public utility or not? Or what's the base? Because so, another thing you got to know, folks, is before you can appeal a Public Service Commission, you've got to ask for a rehearing. you got to explain why you think they got it wrong. So, yeah. So, they're... So when I say that they're taking steps to appeal it, I suspect they are going to. Oh. They haven't yet. They haven't so this, filed that yet. This order is effective on April 19th. Um, so they have to file their rehearing before that date. Uh -huh. um, the commission will either grant or deny the rehearing. Um, and then after that, they have to go through the process of filing an appeal. Okay. Yeah. So because it used to be that you'd have to go to a regular court and then go to the appeals court. But there's a statute now that says uh, public service commission orders are directly appealable to... The appeals court. So we okay. So we I thought they might have filed something, but we have we they've they've made public statements indicating they're not done fighting this. I believe so. Okay, because there's all these other kinks going on right now. Because we've been talking about clean line, uh, but okay. So in the middle of all this, uh, you know, as an, a good reminder for our listeners out there, the Public Service Commission also has to approve of mergers and acquisitions involving these companies as well, and there has been an acquisition application put out there by a group called Invenergy, uh, which is a global company that is wanting to buy CleanLine and take over this project. And they have filed a merger and acquisition uh, hearing. They've filed testimony. We have filed testimony. And the landowners have also filed testimony. Have they not? They sort of filed testimony. They, okay. They so were... it was it was an affidavit. Explain what that means. Um, so so when I think of testimony, I think of a you know an expert witness, right? Uh, like yourself, of course. Like uh, you know, Mr. Zadlow from from the company uh, filing oh, testimony, yes. explaining you know numbers, explaining policy. Um, but the the testimony filed by the landowners in the merger case is basically an affidavit. Um, uh, of somebody saying, I went on the commission's webpage, I looked at these documents in there, I printed them out, these are true and accurate copies of that. And that was, I mean, and, and that was the affidavit was by Mr. Agathon's paralegal, correct? I, 
We think so. I think so. I don't. I don't know for sure the relationship. So I mean, basically, is he setting that up so he can introduce these documents from another case or into this case so he can like? I, I think. This is like so he can get them on the record, I guess. I, I guess so, and maybe it's sort of a belt and suspenders because when I looked at it, it kind of feels like a circuit court thing you would do. I mean, truthfully, when I yeah. saw it, I was like, "Well, it sounds like he's trying to establish a record somehow by doing this." It's not something you see with the PSC very often. But... No, they often take well, they'll take um, administrative notice of yes. their own records, right? Which, um, would be able to take notice of all of the things that he filed, right? Them. Which seems easier. But I, I don't know. I'm not here to give advice to other lawyers. So <laughs> so that's all been filed. And now we have a hearing set in April yes, on that end case. Of April. So it's like a pretty fast timeline, hasn't it been? Yeah, um, it's been pretty ac- expedited. Okay. So, but basically, okay. So there's another thing you got to know about regulatory law in Missouri. Well, as expedited as a five year process can be. Right? Oh, I uh, yeah. I mean, but for the merger and acquisition, right. it's quick. Oh, yes, this five-year thing is not expedited. Even for all this stuff we do with the PSC, this is an unusually long amount of time. It's been very complicated. But the merger and acquisition is been is kind of quick. But here's something you got to know. The standard for proving that a, a merger and acquisition should be granted is that it's not detrimental to the public's interest. Right? I mean, so... <laughs> It's like basically trying to prove a negative, which is pretty easy to do. Some would argue. Yeah. Someday we might not want to argue that, so I'm going to like <laughs> I'm going to put a caveat there. Not in every case, but I mean, it is kind of a, it's not like some other states where you have to prove it's in the public interest, like Kansas, where also this 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 grain belt express is going across. They have to prove there's like a certain level of things that they have to show that this is beneficial. Right, they have a more um, prescriptive statutory ah, scheme. We call that a term of art. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. I read the New Yorker. <laughs> oh, dude, I know you're what we call a fancy lad. That's my term of art. I, I use a lot of umlauts in my writing. <laughs> what? An the umlaut? two little dots over. Oh, uh, I thought that was something you got at brunch. Hey. <laughs> Nothing? All right. Uh, <laughs> edit out that awkward silence, Matthew. Um, oh, no, that's saying Oh, that's saying it. Okay. Yeah, perfect. Okay. <laughs> you can leave all the stuff in about me being wrong, too. So we have that. <laughs> then we have what this is probably going to be this proposed appeal that we think is coming. And then we have something else. And this is something that me and Matthew have been kind of looking at. Not till recently, but um, there is a House bill, 1062. Uh, it was filed by, uh, we determined it was Jim Hansen. I keep wanting to say it's Jim Neely, but he's another state rep from another part of northern Missouri. Yeah. Representative Hansen represents parts of Monroe County, Rawls County, Pike County. Uh, that's kind of in the northeastern part of the state. Uh, that's where some of Clean Line is going to be going over. Also where my in-laws are from, Monroe County. Two of his counties. Yeah, actually, they might actually be in the part of Monroe County that's not in there because I realize they're in like very northern Monroe County. So forgive me, Norris and Kathy, if you're listening. Um, He represents them. He filed a bill that basically would say, uh, for lack of a better term, that this type of utility, that's this kind of transmission law, can't use eminent domain. That's the law. That he's proposing. Basically saying that like these transmission lines that uh, like, well, let me, I'll read it. Or maybe I'll just send it out because maybe that would be easier. Uh, but it basically, it adds on to uh, section 523.262 and says, Private entities shall not have the power of eminent domain 
under the provisions of this section for the purpose purposes of constructing above ground merchant lines. And for purposes of this subsection, merchant line means a high voltage direct current electric transmission line, which does not provide for the erection, I'll let that one sit there, of electric substations at intervals of less than 50 miles, which substations are necessary to accommodate both the purchase and sale to persons located in this state of electricity generated or transmitted or transmitted by the private entity. I mean, basically, that's talking about this. I mean, everyone has acknowledged this is talking about trying to undo what the Public Service Commission just did. That's what they. That's their intention. The speaker is, yeah. The speaker of the House, Elijah Har, my friend, uh, who I ran against uh, seven years ago, is a fun factoid for all of you when he first ran for office. Um, and I, we get along very well. But he has said, because of this PSE decision, he is making this a high priority for the House, and he anticipates that it will be voted out of the House. And that is what he has said in a public statement. So that's what he thinks. Now, Tim... All due respect to our Speaker of the House, who's also a lawyer. Do you agree with that assessment that this is going to have that impact on this decision? So, if you'll indulge me, I have some thoughts about it. Oh, please. To begin with. Please, uh, I'm indulging you. <laughs> so, <laughs> I guess my first thought is this idea of filing this bill fails to understand how modern electric transmission lines are owned, operated, and regulated. Mm. Um, it's... There are a lot of, uh, due to FERC regulations and FERC orders, there are a lot of people owning transmission lines or companies owning transmission lines that are not like a traditional utility. Um, so it looks different right now. Okay. Um, how they're operated, we live in a different world than 1882 when Edison first started. Have you met the legislature? I'm not sure they like are living outside of 1882, but I but I kid the legislature. Uh, right, we are transmitting power long distances. Yes, whether it be for nuclear plants, for coal plants, mm -hmm. and now we want to do it for wind plants. Yeah, um, and I think that that is a good thing. We do, we do, we do think uh, that's a good thing. I mean, thing you got to get the power where it's at, right? And get it to where people live. And get it to where people live. That is a basic tenet of how energy policy works. And, yes, and so. I don't think anybody is saying that um, grain belt shouldn't be regulated. Um, and in fact, they themselves have been trying to be regulated. For five for years five now. Years, right? <laughs> um, the, with, the, with. the opponents and sponsors of this bill seem to believe it's some private company coming in to, in the middle of the night to steal people's land. Yeah. Um, and that's just either willfully ignorant or deliberate misinformation. Um, in my it could view. be both. In my view, right. Yeah. The fact is that Grain Belt is a public utility. They have been subject to the thorough scrut scrutiny of the commission three times by dozens of interveners. Mm -hmm. um, and it's gone up through the highest court in Missouri, the Supreme Court. Yeah. It's, they're not sneaking under the radar here. This is, this is a regulated utility it that's gone well through vetted. all of these processes. Yeah. And I mean, and I will say, if if you were wondering why the Speaker of the House has made this a priority, I will tell you, I don't have any insight on this, but I think the reason is, is because he is a big champion of expanding charter schools. A lot of lawmakers who are against that are from rural areas, including northern Missouri. And I think he thinks that if he gets this fast-tracked out of the House, he will be able to get their support on his legislation. You may all think that is a gross 
way of looking at lawmaking, but that is exactly how it works, whether they think this is a valid law or not. Because I, I think that there might even be some belief they don't care if it's a valid law. So Yeah, so so that, I guess, having shared my thoughts on it. Yes, um, if you feel better I, about I that I think now. that there are... <laughs> I do, thanks for letting okay. me get off my chest. <laughs> 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 All right. Okay, uh, I, I feel better. I think that there are... Um, <laughs> Issues that this law will accomplish um, what they intended to accomplish that, I guess, to stop this grain belt. Yeah. First, as I've said several times here, grain belt is a public utility. They're not a private entity. Right. I mean, they're a private entity in the same way that Ameren, Missouri. And KCPNL and Empire. Right. Private entities, but they're also public utilities. Yeah. So there is a argument out there that even if this becomes law, it won't. Do what they think it do does. Do what they think it does. And then this, there's other constitutional issues that if it does somehow accomplish what they think it does, yeah. this could be a special law. This could have retroactive issues, uh, both of which are prohibited under our Constitution. That's true. Um, I can probably think of a host of other issues. I mean, this. okay, and like, and since we're talking about this, I mean, like, you could also make an argument that this violates the Dormant Commerce Clause. You could make an argument that this violates... A 2005 case uh, that basically said private entities, and I'm talking about a U.S. Supreme Court case, yeah. that said private entities can exercise eminent domain, which, by the way, is the which was a big firestorm back in 2006, 2007 in the legislature, which caused them to do, they created a uh, um, ombudsman for, uh, for property rights, which has been, and this was housed at the Office of Public Counsel, so forgive me when I say this, it is a thoroughly useless position. <laughs> and that's what we got done. Okay. I mean, I'm just being cool. I don't work at OPC anymore. So, like, you know, go sue me. But it was worthless. Don't sue him. <laughs> no, please don't sue me. Uh, but it was pretty worthless. Uh, Comment. <laughs> well, didn't our, didn't our current president um, do some of this um, to build a casino? Wasn't there something about you know, that? And it was like... Uh, a little old lady living like next to the ocean in Atlantic City, and they condemned her property um, so that they could build this thing yes. that was that was clearly not a public utility. President a casino. Tr- President Trump, in his in in his in his in his capacity as a private business owner, has had corporate entities who have exercised eminent domain to build things as frivolous and stupid as a casino. That's true. That's true. And I mean, they do, and we do it all the time. We do it all the time with shopping centers. We do it all the time with everything. And so the idea now that because uh, there are obviously a lot of people upset about this uh, in northern Missouri. I would say it's less than less than the media coverage gets. I think there are a handful of they're very loud. upset people they're who are loud. very loud. And I would also but there's ma- a lot of support for it too. There's a lot of support for it in those areas, and I would also maintain that there is, there are also a lot of entities, and I'm not trying to associate them with these landowners, but there's a lot of entities like other utility companies in the state, like a big coal company that's based out of the state, who also don't like this idea, and they also might be trying to do things that even if landowners have a sincere conviction that what they're doing is pure and it's all about what they are concerned about with their farm but they might be getting manipulated into some sort of astroturf type situation where these things are being funded by someone else who has worse ulterior motives there i said it and got that off my chest 
So just call me because you all do anyway. Well, and that's not and that and that's not even necessarily something specific to this case. I know that that's in, right. in other states there have been advocates and uh, consumer groups in those states that have said that there are, I guess, astroturf groups intervening and yes. taking positions in in all kinds. Matter of fact, cases. one in Iowa is called the Real Group, isn't it, Tim? <laughs> uh, some people are accusing them of being an astro yeah, Allegedly. Yeah. But by the way, that's not our real council. And if you want to learn more about our real council, go to our website and we'd like for you to become a member. Uh, but we're not the ones that are being accused of being astroturf. So, okay. So this is, this is a hot button issue in the legislature right now. I can tell you something right now. I do think it's going to pass the House. It's, it's not been voted out of general laws, but I think it will pass the House. That's all indication we've got. I don't think it's going to go anywhere in the Senate, truthfully. And all, even if it does, to your point, Tim, I don't think it's going to do anything that they think it's going to do. It's not. It's not. Because we've already got this. I mean, this decision's already happened. And I think if there is going to be an appeal... I would venture to say, you know, we will probably we we will probably be involved with that appeal if it's if it's heard. It'll at least be heard at the uh, court of appeals level because they don't have very much discretion on appeals they can hear. We'll probably be involved with that. I don't really see they, they've got a very narrow um, needle to thread there with that, um, and I think that their theory is probably not going to be grounded in much, you know, basis of case law or statutes or anything. So I think it's probably or even just commission practice or I mean, even commission like practice. Granting CCNs to lines like this all the time. Exactly. So I mean, the fact I think that's dubious. Um, then they have this merger case, which I think is going to be successful. I think that's going to be granted. Uh, the PSC staff has basically said they think they should grant this with all the conditions that were put into the CCN case. So that's probably going to happen. And so ultimately, like, this all is a lot of rabid, uh, really hot-button stuff, but it ultimately still is like kind of the short fuse of a very long process here. And there's still even issue about what this looks like in other states. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, there's... There's the twist at the end, because, I mean, Illinois, is this... I don't even... I don't still... It's still an issue, I think, for the appellate courts because they had an issue about whether this was being considered a public utility there. But my understanding is there's legislation in Illinois is going to fix that potentially. Um, I, I think that's right. And, and I think from what I understand that there are other steps that they're taking to yes. get that status, whether or not right. the legislation goes forward. So even with all of this, I mean, you know, it seems to me that this is going to end up being a reality. Now, even with all of that, they still have to go through dealing with all these landowners. Yeah. They still have to exercise this in a domain. I mean, and those could be tied up in a court for a long time. As someone who has, who has litigated eminent domain cases... Uh, and by the way, I had my parents involved with a imminent domain case involving a transmission line. Fun fact. Um, well, I'm involved with my in-laws on one now. So. Oh, look at us! <laughs> look at us, little turncoat sitting here. Um, <laughs> I mean, it is. It's. I mean, it's not like really like you. It's everyone says we're going to drag this out to get more money. I mean, ultimately, when you talk about this at a circuit court level, it is a matter of appointing a commission uh, of like kind of local real estate experts to give a value of this. And really, your options as far as like trying to fight it are pretty limited. Right. It's just a way of making sure that you get fair value. For yeah, it. that's right. And so it's not a matter of like, can you do it? It's just more about like, what are you getting compensated for? Right. And they and they'll put reasonable restrictions on it, just so they're not building a, you know, 
a subway system right there or whatever it is. You or know? a subway sandwich shop. Or a subway sandwich shop. As an example, I, <laughs> I don't know where that came from. I haven't had much sleep this week. Okay, so um, so we have, I mean, so we are kind of at the end of this road as far as like what's been going on in Missouri. Uh, but then there has been all this kind of hubbub. But that's all been because, you know, I mean, like, as you said, we'll tie this back together. The PSC is very deliberative and they do a lot of scrutiny on these things. And so ultimately, to get to your point to say that this has not been <laughs> examined exhaustively, well, is really not even remotely close to being the truth. Right. Yeah. So we, you know, we, we look at this. I mean, this is, I think you could like talk about this for, I mean, we could have probably done a, uh, well, we probably should have done a better job of explaining which part of the case we were talking about at first, but I think we cleared that up. No, I think it's better this way. Oh, you think it's better this way? I want people to be as confused, as angry as possible when they listen to this. Um, right, Patterson? So let's make sure we even... It might be any different than we... <laughs> I mean, I was going right? to say, uh, you've got a firebrand. <laughs> um, so, I mean, this is this is interesting. I mean, like to me, this is like what's interesting about what we do is... Yeah, I mean, what we're talking about is stuff that matters and is increasing renewable energy. But there are all these like really interesting legal and legislative considerations that come into this, um, whether they're valid or not. But it's still like stuff you still have to work around. And so I think that this kind of captures like one, how important this is, how how high the stakes are, and two, how like everyone says like why don't we just fix the issue with renewable energy and energy efficiency? It's slow. It's a slow process. It's, yeah, it's frustrating to see when we're moving forward with cost effective. <laughs> yeah. It's the lowest cost uh, energy source out there. Um, and it's renewable and it's clean and it's going to have um, property tax impacts. Yeah. It's going to have uh, job impacts. Right. And there are, it's, it seems like there's more roadblocks thrown up for this than there are for opening up new coal mines or drilling oil in, in or charter reserves. school expansion <laughs> or I, I mean it's it, it's it's a frustrating thing to work in that when you're going against these yeah entrenched groups so when you wonder why this isn't happening faster I hope this gave you some sense of everything you come across and I mean look they should we are a country built on due process it's in the top five list of our Bill of Rights good list it's a good list i mean it's it's still like below that one about quartering troops but it's you know that was a big deal back then but we we are like due process is a big thing and that's what this is i mean yes it should be hard uh, for someone to be declared a uh, public utility to do this it has been hard but they've proven their case all these other parties have proven their case and here we are and uh, you know if everyone's like and people can be upset about this decision but ultimately, I don't think anybody can say that the process didn't work because the process, like, went into overdrive, maximum overdrive. That's right. Go look up the reference. Okay, so that – I think that – I hope that uh, covers this controversy. Tim, thank you for taking time from your regular job. Same with you, Matthew. And for me, this is just what I do. I literally record these, and that's all I do here. Uh, but we want to thank you all for listening. Uh, we want to encourage you to share this with your friends on social media if you're interested in this. Um, we also want you to subscribe to us on iTunes as well as Spotify. Write a review, as long as it's positive, uh, so we can get more uh, visibility on there. 
And uh, yeah, come and support uh, some of the stuff we're doing. We're actually doing a uh, professional development seminar on wind farms on April 16th from noon to 1. Uh, there will be more information on that that we'll be sending out. Uh, if you're in the Columbia area, we will also be doing our Earth Day 5K on April 28th at 8 a.m. Uh, we'll get more details on that on the website as well. I'm James Owen. This is Renew Gurus. And hey, uh, keep reaching for those stars.